0: few months ago, I was scrolling Instagram reels, just like the rest of us. And I came across this one reel with a captivating story. I quickly went to follow the creator, the Korean vegan, and have been captivated and inspired ever since. As the weeks went on, I realized that she has a way of engaging her audience and creating an authenticity on her platform. Unlike anybody else that I was following, and so I had to bring her on because if you know one thing about me, it's that I am learning the art of vulnerability and the value of vulnerability, and she does it so well. If you do not already follow her, here is a little bit more about Joanne. With over 4 million fans spread across her social media platforms, New York Times bestselling author Joanne Molinero, aka The Korean Vegan, has appeared on the Food Network, CBS Saturday Morning, ABC's Live with Kelly and Ryan, The Today Show, PBS, The Rich Pole Podcast. She's been featured in the Los Angeles Times, The Washington Post, The Atlantic, NPR, CNN, and her debut cookbook was selected as one of the best cookbooks of 2021 by The New York Times and The New Yorker, among others. I am so ready to give you guys this conversation. It is rich, it is challenging, it is, oh, it touches all of the feels, and I know that you will fall in love with her as much as I did. Welcome to Making Room, a podcast by Gather Intentional Living and Everyday Hospitality. Listen, we understand that the way that our culture often portrays hospitality is unattainable, and sometimes even just the thought of opening your door is crippling. Join us in the pursuit to bringing beauty, meaning and celebration back to the everyday gathering. Go ahead, take your seat. We saved one just for you. I know a little bit about how your platform really took off, but I kind of want to hear it from you. I know that you were home during quarantine. You posted a video. Your husband was teaching piano in the background, right? Yes. It went viral. Um, But is that where it started or did it start before that?
1: No, it started long before that. And I can understand why a lot of people think that that's where it did start because, you know, I had been toiling away and you know, relative obscurity before that. (laughs) Um, So I started the Korean vegan in 2016. So it, yeah, it's been, it had been going for about four and a half years before I even heard of TikTok, but it was because of TikTok that all of a sudden, you know, the Korean vegan, which had about, you know, 70,000 followers quickly turned into much larger community
0: what, what is much larger? Let
1: me So know. Right. Yeah. Right now we're probably at like four and a half million across my social media platforms. And you know, it's pretty substantial considering that it took me four and a half years to get to yeah. 70,000.
0: <laughs> yeah. I always like to celebrate that, you know, cause like it's hard to get to that point. It's a lot of work leading up to that. So,
1: Bravo, I think that Salvador. is, yeah. And and that's why I like it when people ask me, you know, when did you really start? Because, you know, some people, yeah, they, you know, they started TikTok and within a couple of years, they've got a 4 million strong or even larger community. But I don't want people to feel like pressure. Oh, wow. I'm two years into this and I still haven't, you know, hit my first 100,000. Well, I was four and a half years into it and I had only gotten to 70,000. So, it's never linear. Um, it doesn't have to be. And therefore, you know, people shouldn't feel like discouraged if they haven't hit some sort of arbitrary milestone at some given time.
0: Hmm. That's really good. That's really sweet. I know on Instagram it's 10,000 usually like that's your first celebrate. And I was like, I'm (laughs) getting those balloons. I'm (laughs) totally (laughs) in the pictures. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. So one of the most impactful things and inspiring things to me about your platform um, is your gift of storytelling. I think you first showed up in my reels and I, you just have a way of captivating your audience. Um, And it's a gift, you know, it's not something that everyone carries. Um, And so I want to know what led you to start storytelling.
1: Yeah. um, Well, thank you very much for the kind words. I appreciate that. I started telling stories in writing uh before I even started an in Instagram. I'm you know, I'm an avid reader and always loved writing. I started a writing blog a couple years before I started a food blog. And so I had a lot of um I had exercised my writing muscles for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. When I started my food blog, it originally started much the same way that most food blogs look like, which is a catalog of recipes. In my case, plant-based versions of traditional Korean foods. And in 2017, um, you know, given what was going on in the United States and just how divisive everything was, I wanted to utilize my Instagram, which had like, that very important 10,000 followers. (laughs) I wanted to use my Instagram to share stories about my family because I thought, well, maybe people just don't understand what it's like to be an immigrant family in the United States. And maybe I could just share a little bit here and there. And I'll bet That there are a lot of people who may have never heard the immigrant story, but find points that they can relate to, even if they are themselves not an immigrant family. And that was really the point when I started sharing those stories. Um, always in the caption, like in the Instagram caption, never in video. It was always static photos with a caption. And then of course, when I started posting on TikTok, what I simply did was I took those written captions and, you know, kind of uh, tweaked them to be appropriate for a voiceover.
0: Wow. Wow. Goodness. Okay. Okay. And I love that. And yeah, I was thinking about before we lived in Thailand for a while. I know my listeners um, know that, and we would always layover in Korea. And I just fell so in love with it. I wanted the longest layover possible. I wanted <laughs> to be there as long as possible. And I never spent enough time there. And so through your stories, I feel like I'm getting a broader scope, you know, of, of the culture. It's so rich. Um, yeah. I've loved learning. So
1: thank yeah. You I sharing. love Korea too. I miss it a lot. I was, uh, there a couple years ago. And I was just, um, I just went through an airport the other day. Cause we're in New York city right now. And there was okay. this like, beautiful, like, um, advertisement for, you know, tourists in Korea, like come to Korea. And I was like, yes, oh. I would like to go
0: <laughs> <laughs> where, um, where are your roots in Korea from? Like what area? What city? So my,
1: yeah, my family is mostly from Seoul, Um, and so when we go to Korea, we spend most of that time in Seoul. My, my parents are from the Southern region of the peninsula originally. Um, but you know, most people sort of gravitate to Seoul, uh, later on in their career. And that was certainly the case for my parents before they emigrated to the United States.
0: Okay. I love knowing that. That's really sweet. Mm -hmm. So I think that so many of us want to be known through our stories. We want that connection with people. And I think that frankly, as a culture, we've gotten so comfortable with shallow surface level connection. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say has helped you share these? Like, cause you share pretty raw parts of your story, you know, pretty vulnerable and authentic parts. Um, what has helped you like have the courage, I guess, to share that, that story.
1: Oh, that's a really great question. Um, and it's actually one that I've been thinking a lot about recently. I think that, um, I go through these phases, which I'm sure many content creators, including yourself can relate to, which is that, um, you know, it's not a steady, like feeling like every day I wake up and I feel like being creative and sharing stories. That's just not how it works. You know, everyday life creeps into our jobs and that's what our jobs are, right? Being creative and and creating content. And sometimes everyday life can be so big and so overwhelming that the instinct is to just curl up and not share anything at all, because you need to take that time to just heal. Right. Right. And when you do share, I don't care if you share something completely frivolous or if you're sharing your life story on the internet, there's always somebody who's sitting there saying, I'm ready to criticize you for whatever you're sharing, right? Mm-hmm. And that kind of negativity has um, sort of an aggregating effect. Maybe one or two or three comments doesn't bother you, but you know, when you get them day in, day out for weeks and weeks and months and months, mm-hmm. um, that can take its toll as well. And so when you ask me, like, how do I have the courage to share? I had thought that it was so easy for me. Like it's, oh, this is just my thing. I'm really good at it. This is my easy thing. Everybody has their superpower. Mine is being able to be vulnerable. And I've realized that I was very wrong. (laughs) Um, Being vulnerable has its cost. And I'm learning that right now. Sometimes I don't want to be open. I don't want to be vulnerable. I want to just like not talk to anybody. I don't want to share with my community, but what keeps me focused is the purpose behind sharing these stories in the first place, which was, I feel like there is a hurt in this world. I feel like there's a hurt in our country and I want to do what I can to help heal some of that hurt. And the best way to do that is to prove to everyone you're not alone. Whatever you're feeling, whether it's you hate your body today, or you're getting over heartbreak from something, or your mother said something to you that was unkind, or your colleague doesn't believe enough in you, or any number of things, you're not alone. And that is the best way I feel to heal some of what's happening in our country and in our world.
0: Yeah. Someone once said and it like kind of relates to this um that the key to connection is letting people touch your wounds.
1: Mm, and I love that
0: right isn't that powerful? Mm. And I feel like we're a culture of kind of band-aids and the prettier the band-aid the better. Oh my gosh, <laughs> right?
1: you're so right. Yeah.
0: Right? <laughs> I know, but That is, that is the key, letting people touch your wounds. And of course, I mean, when you think about it, like literally there's a little bit of sting there, but there's so much like relatability, um, in it. So I I love hearing you share those pieces of what gave you the courage. Um, and I'm kind of learning that too, because I do think I have, uh, I guess a gift of the ability to be vulnerable. I love sharing that with people, but when it doesn't land softly, that's hard for me or the criticism is hard for me. And so you have to learn how to navigate and manage both sides. Yeah. How
1: have you managed that? Cause I'm like trying to learn like from other people, like how do they do it? Because sometimes like, I I mean, my husband and I like, we'll have like fights over it because somebody will say something nasty to me and then it lingers like in my consciousness and it's hard. Yeah. My husband's so steady, emotionally steady.
0: He's so good for me, but I'll be sitting in the car. I'll say, what's, what's bothering you? And I'll tell him, he's like, that was from weeks ago. I know
1: (laughs) it sticks in your brain, right? (laughs) (laughs)
0: So I'm just trying to find, like follow certain accounts that are like about healthy boundaries or relationships, things like that. And just really like bask in their wisdom. And one of the things that I actually saw today is if you wouldn't take advice from someone, don't take criticism from them.
1: Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. Yeah,
0: It's easier. Like you have to put that into practice, Mm -hmm. but uh, I'm learning. I'm with you.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, like those kind of mantras, like, um, you know, one of my friends who's also an internet person, he's been doing it much longer than I have, and he gets a lot of this trolling and, um, you know, he's not impervious either. Um, but one thing that he said to me is every second that I think about this trolls comment makes me stupider and I don't want to be stupider. (laughs) I was like, I like that. That actually, works for me. And so I'll repeat that. Like when I start feeling myself getting agitated or wild up, I'll repeat that to myself. So I like what you just said. You know, if you can't take advice from them, you wouldn't take advice from them. Why would you accept criticism from them? That's another thing that I'll add to my arsenal someone else in this
0: industry and it probably crosses over in other areas of life is to save snapshots of like comments or messages that really like were impactful Mm. to you, you know, and when those things happen to go back and look
1: at the truth. That's a good one too. That's a good one. We have to arm ourselves with these little things. That's the way to get through it.
0: That's it. Well, we'll keep each other posted. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So let's see. Um, you so eloquently talk about your journey with health and your experience with diet culture. And I'll tell you where, the, where this really stood out to me. I was just consuming everything on your website because there's so much to see there. I loved it. And on your meal planning app page. Okay. So there's a video there and you told this story so beautifully. <laughs> wow. So I hope that everyone goes there and watches the full video, but let's share a little bit about it here. Um, so in that, I think it was in that video, you said health brings joy and joy brings health. Um, But talk to me about like that journey and that process.
1: Yeah. So I, I, I was working on this meal planner pretty much all last year. And what I was so nervous about was I didn't want the meal planner to be sort of a disguise for promoting diet culture. Like that's what I didn't want it to be. Cause I've seen that and I hate it and I hate dishonesty more than anything in the world. And so I was really struggling with whether I even wanted to do a meal planner. Cause I was like, well, if people are just going to use it to continue to promote this kind of lifestyle that I find so antithetical to who I am, then I don't want to do this, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, I kind of pulled my followers and they were like, no meal planner would be great because then, you know, it cuts out sort of that, like, what do you want to eat today? You know, (laughs) loop that you find yourself in like every night. And that's why we loved it. And we tried our own meal planner, my husband and I, before we really pushed it because we were like, well, I don't, I want to know, like, if this is good, you know, before I ask anyone to buy it. Right. And so we tried it for 30 days and that was exactly what happened. was like, we loved it so much because at the end of every day, we no longer had to be like, what do you want to eat? I don't know. What do you want to eat? I don't know. What do you like that? That was so great. And we had all these recipes. Right. But in order to guard against that, I wanted to make sure that I put my imprimatur of what health means, like right there, front and center. And. I grew up, and you know, lived most of, most of my adult life defining health in a very, um, rigid way, which is basically how much do you weigh? What is your size? And perhaps later on grafting on things like what is your resting heart rate? (laughs) Um, how fast can you run a mile? Like these kinds of really arbitrary metrics. And, um, you know, and sometimes I would also incorporate, well, what did I get in my cholesterol score? And, And I'm not saying that these aren't components of health, but it is a very narrow way of viewing health. And the reason I say that is because I discovered um, through social media that I had been suffering with disordered eating basically my whole life, you know, and um, it got to a point where I was so depressed about this idea that I might have to live the rest of my life with this kind of disorder. And yeah. I really was like very depressed. Like I was actually very worried about myself and my mental health. And I said, mental health, mental health. Where is that? How does that fit into my definition of health? And I realized, oh my God, it doesn't fit in at all. Like I don't even like consider it a part of health. And I was like, well, how backwards is that? Doesn't make any sense, you know? And so I had realized that my obsession with physical health was hurting my mental health. And therefore I was not viewing health in a very wholesome way. Like I was looking at it a very rigid way. And so when I started the meal planner, I wanted to make sure that look, I'm not telling you that you can't do whatever you think is necessary for your physical health. Go to your doctor, look at your cholesterol. If you've got thyroid issues, you got to address those, like whatever. That's not me. I'm not here to tell you I'm not a doctor, I'm not a, you know, nutritionist or anything like that. But I do think you need to incorporate mental health into that discussion. It should never be at the cost of your mental health. And so What I try to kind of um, promote is a very balanced view of health so that it's not overly focused on just one pillar of health. Because I really do think that health is a component of your mental health, your physical health, and your spiritual health.
0: Yeah, yeah. Goodness gracious. I just like the way that you talk about that. Of course, it's eloquent, but um, I think you're touching on things that aren't talked about in the health culture on health Instagram. You know, like it's so powerful, so relatable. Um, have you read the book The Gut Mind Connection?
1: No, but that sounds like a book that I would love because I'm obsessed <laughs> with the microbiome.
0: <laughs> well, it's funny that I ask you that because I haven't read it either, but it's on my list.
1: <laughs> well, it'll now be on mine. <laughs> It just sounds like it fits right in
0: with, you know. But that's
1: such a this. great, no, I totally agree with you. Like I, I read um, the microbiome solution um, mm-hmm. many years ago by Dr. I can't pronounce her name. I'm going to butcher it. It's like Dr. <laughs> Chachnin or something like that. She was on the ritual podcast and I just like fell in love with her from that podcast. And then I read her entire book and it radically changed my life. Like wow. I I think that my immune system is much better off just having listened to that podcast because then I became so much more conscientious about incorporating fiber mm-hmm. into my diet, you know, um, you know, what she calls, uh, you know, wilding yourself, which is like introducing the wild back into your microbiome and things uh-huh. like that. And so, um, but there is this connection between your mood, your um, mental health and what you eat, you know? And so when I say things like, you know, joy brings health and health brings joy, it's really meant to show that everything is interconnected. You can't look at things as silos. Um, Once you do that, that is when you start falling into these traps of obsessive behavior, compulsive behavior, because at that point you think that you can just focus on one thing to the, you know, while excluding the other thing, not realizing that they're interconnected.
0: So here's a question because you asked me, now I get to ask you Yeah, (laughs) what helped you get over that? Because I can imagine it's so prevalent and it's not talked about enough. And I feel like there's stigmas and all of those things with disordered eating, right? It's hard to talk about. It's not a fun conversation, Mm -hmm. Um, but what helped you, you know, kind of work through that?
1: I think um a couple of things. First, I went to see a therapist um yeah. for many years and um and I continued to have her like, you know, on speed dial as 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 it was once said um in case <laughs> sure, that right. like yeah, like there's a recurrence <laughs> and I, you know, so I think that that helped to build the vocabulary I needed in order to articulate um yeah. treatment for these kinds of issues, right? Yeah. I think the other thing is um running which is a double edged sword because in some ways running can you know actually reinforce um you know toxic thinking and behavior um and it certainly has that um suscept- susceptibility with me as well but i will say a couple of things with running running gave me confidence And confidence is really a big part of the solution to this. And the reason running gave me confidence is because, you know, every time I was going through something difficult or hard, I could always say I've run, you know, thousands of miles. I've run five marathons. I've run dozens of half marathons. I've done these things that I never thought I would ever be capable of doing. And I've done not just one, but I've done like five, you know, so I can, I can get through this. But what that has also done is it has given me a very different and new appreciation for my body. Wow. So it's never now just about what my body looks like. It's also what my body has been able to do when it's put under immense pressure pressure and pain. My body has like, I mean, I I sometimes think of my body as like a different person, almost like my best friend, literally my best and most loyal friend, like my sister, you know, the, the one that's always true to you, even when you treat it badly, it comes back to you and still loves you. I, Mm -hmm. I always think of that. And that definitely helps me a lot. And then finally, talking about it. Yeah. I think that isolating yourself in this sort of world is what, you know, kind of makes it so hard to step out of that pattern of thinking where you're yeah. just constantly talking badly to yourself and to your body. Once yeah. you start talking about this with another person, it becomes easier to step out of those patterns.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to talk about just a little bit more about my story with disordered Mm -hmm. eating in a future episode. But um, I know for me, a huge thing was inviting a few people in that I trusted their voice, kind of like we talked about before, that I trusted to even like speak the, or like uh, tell me what the lies were, like identify the lies that they either saw me behaving in or speaking over myself. And um, it's important. It, it is a community approach for healing, you know, the disordered eating.
1: Yeah. I definitely think so. I think that um, if you try and do it alone, look, I'm not saying that there aren't people who can do it alone, but there there may yeah. be, um, but it just, you know, for people who don't thrive in those types of situations and being mm-hmm. isolated, it it doesn't need to be that way. And I think that like we used to think that it that it did need to be that way. And that was why it was so sad.
0: Yeah. I didn't know we were gonna go this direction, but I relate to that part of your story so much yeah. and and a different side of this too. I I ran two miles and I thought about you. <laughs>
1: Oh my God, that's earlier. fantastic.
0: That's awesome. I was like patting myself on the back, and I'm like, oh my gosh, she runs like thousands.
1: No, no. You know what? You gotta start somewhere. My first run was a three-quarter mile, so you gotta start somewhere
0: me last week. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, that's good. Um okay, um, okay, so through the beauty and growth that you've experienced in your platform over the past few years, it's led you, well, oh my gosh, since 2016, when you started, it's led you to this, right? The mm-hmm. launch of your cookbook. It's your first, right?
1: Yes, it is. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh my word. I don't know if this is an adjective that you guys use, but I got it in the mail and I was like, this is the sexiest cookbook <laughs> I have.
1: Okay. I've never seen. heard that. I love it. <laughs> I'm going to it's like, <laughs> it's like sleek and chic and all the good things. Uh, Well, my art director is just going to get a hoot out of that. She's going to love it. (laughs) Um,
0: So talk to me about it. Gush about it. What are you proud of? What could people expect?
1: Well, I am proud that it is so beautiful. Like I personally think it's beautiful. Like when I see it, you know, at a bookstore or see it on, you know, a table of books, I'm like, yeah, my book is just so pretty. And so I am very proud of that. I took all the photographs for my book. So I'm very proud of that because I never considered myself to be a photographer. Um, And here I am, there's a book of my photographs all over the world. So that's pretty cool. Um, And of course, I'm very proud of you know, putting together the recipes that was so fun. Um, just because I relied so heavily on the women in my family, my, my mother and my aunts and kind of, um, you know, that kind of fellowship with women in your family, it's important. Um, especially at my, Time in life. I'm 42 years old and I want to make sure that I like literally ring them dry <laughs> of everything, like all the stories, all the recipes, all that knowledge. Um, I I want that. So that was, you know, a really important part of the book. And, you know, I think that you know, for your listeners and and for anyone, I'm 42. Like I, I thought that my time of of dreaming was over, I thought that I wasn't allowed to have dreams or do anything i thought my life was going to be be a lawyer go to work in the morning and work really hard pay your mortgage pay your insurance you know do those things and cobble together a nice retirement fund and look back and say i had a great life you know like i thought that was my life and it wasn't until i was about 39 years old after starting the korean vegan that i started to think well, maybe there's a bend in this road and and maybe I'm allowed to think about what happens if I take it. And it was incredibly frightening, but also very liberating. And I'm really glad that I had enough people in my life who said, yeah, cheering me on, take that bend, take it, do it, see what happens. We'll be here for you no matter what. If I didn't have that, I'm not sure I would have done it. Um, But I'm so very glad that I did. And now I want to tell all the peoples, I want to be that voice for you. If you've got a dream, if you've got something that's, you know, kind of in your back pocket that you've been hiding in your heart because you're too afraid to look at it. I mean, maybe now's the time to look at it again.
0: Yeah. I remember when we were first dreaming about our business and I had a name for it that was about it. I went to this um kind of like logo print shop and I just got the like I made this logo, I got the name just printed on stickers. Oh my and, god. You know, I was like I just need it. I need to do something to make it real, you yeah. know. Yeah. And I love that encouragement cuz I give people, you know, the same little nugget. Get a sign printed with the name on it, you know, just buy that the,
1: one thing. Yeah. Buy the yeah. website,
0: donate a domain or whatever, right? Yeah.
1: Make 15 it bucks. Real. Yeah, exactly. Like it doesn't yeah. need to like, you know, dreams can be expensive. Don't get me wrong. Like, I don't want people to think that like, you know, I'm sitting here saying, oh, it's so easy. It's not easy. And <laughs> no. uh, it's scary and all of those things. No. But um, like taking that first step um, can mean all the difference between a dream that, you know, goes stale and wilts yeah. in your back pocket and one that thrives and blossoms and comes to life.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's sweet and powerful and all the things. And as we're um, talking about this, I forgot to ask you one question before. When you started storytelling and just your vulnerability on your platform, you know, I know criticism came with that, but what other um, trends did you notice with your followers? Was there more connection, more shared stories? What did that look like?
1: Yeah, I mean, that was one of the unexpected um, benefits, I guess, is, and I know that, you know, your whole platform is about, um, creating community, you know, and, and showing up. And I didn't expect that. Like I I was so like, in some ways, like, um, I don't know if it was just like, so purpose driven that I was like, I just want to get my message out there so that people can have a better understanding of what it's like to be an immigrant family in the United States or, you know, feel like they're not alone. I did not expect the reciprocation, And, you know, Instagram in particular, I had just kind of discovered the pin feature, the pin comment feature. Mm -hmm. Uh And so like... I would, somebody would say, you know, I would share a story about my grandmother. And the first time, you know, I had to bring a Korean lunch to school and how hard that was for me and how it was so embarrassing, you know, and then somebody else would say, you know, I'm a Polish immigrant and my grandmother, she made me this and I had to bring it to school and I hated it and da, 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 da. And, you know, but now I miss her and I miss this food and I wish I could make it as good as she did. And I was just like crying while reading these (laughs) comments, you know, and then I'd pin that comment for everyone else to read. And then it would start this waterfall of storytelling from this community that had just sprung up around me without me even trying. I just was like so amazed and like incredibly grateful. Like I was like, I don't deserve this. Like people are like telling me their stories and now they're telling each other their stories and we're supporting each other. And it's just like totally organic and it's just such a beautiful, beautiful gift that I never expected to receive as part of creating the Korean vegan. And now it's something that I treasure and it's something that I very much guard and protect.
0: I lo- I was hoping that was going to be your answer. I knew it was going to be, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, no, what I love about that is like we were saying before, vulnerability sometimes lands flat. Like it doesn't, you know, you put yourself out there and it doesn't really land anywhere or it's not received the way that you hoped it would. Mm. But I kind of say vulnerability invites vulnerability. So keep showing, yeah, keep showing up, keeping vulnerable because you might be teaching others how to follow and it could be lonely, but keep, you keep doing it because it does have that effect, that waterfall effect. I love it that can. you called it that.
1: It's so amazing. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, uh, particularly on places like, uh, Instagram and, you know, TikTok, TikTok, I mean, half of the platform is in the comments. It's not wow. even in the content, you know? So, I mean, there again, the community is just so strong. Uh, it's the same thing with YouTube. So you can build these kinds of, um, wonderful, uh, thriving communities. Um, and, it's it's just a beautiful gift um but you won't ever get that if you don't put yourself out there yeah. like that's what you just said vulnerability invites vulnerability so if you're not vulnerable to them um then you're not going to get that back from them either
0: man oof <laughs> yeah this is this is good stuff i mean really and i i just I just really want to encourage people. Like, I feel like I hid my story. My story is messy. It's hard. It's not what people expect it. What, you know, all those things. And so I feel like we're tempted to hide it sometimes. And it wasn't until someone really called me out on it. in um, just like early adulthood that I started sharing my story and seeing the connection, you know, that came through it. And so I just, um, that I started sharing my story and seeing the, the benefits of it. So d- don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to share, start with small pieces of your story, Smart. W- start with. Um, people that you're comfortable with at tables you're familiar with and build from
1: there, but it's rewarding. I think that's really important advice because I don't want people to feel like what we're saying is now go out there and tell your entire (laughs) life story, all the worst, ugliest parts about you. Now you need to reveal them to bajillions of people. (laughs) Like that's not what we're saying at all. I think it's what, you know, it's go at your pace, whatever makes you comfortable. You know what I used to do before I was an Instagrammer? When I was a writer, I wrote poems. I was a poet. And of the time, people would say, I have no idea what you're talking about. My husband still says, I have no idea what your poems are about. And sometimes I would reveal the most revealing things about myself in these poems because I knew nobody could understand them. And, you know, whatever it is that you're comfortable revealing in whatever manner and whatever art or however you do it, um, your, you know, manner of communicating could be like making collages or building birdhouses. I don't know, you know, any, any way is legitimate um, but I do think you know that's one of the beautiful things about community is that you never know what will spring up around you it's like it's it's all part of growing and you yes. know we're human and and we're all we're all fallible and and I think that's actually part of what makes it so relatable
0: yeah absolutely well on that note we end each conversation with the same three questions for all of our guests and I want to hear yours as well okay. Yeah. I'm really curious about this one. Um,
1: something you've eaten recently and loved. Okay. So I went to this amazing, um, restaurant, restaurants, Chinese restaurant called spicy moon. It's in the East and West village. They have two of them here in New York city, and they made these eggplant, crispy eggplants, which I was like, Oh my God, this is the best thing I've ever eaten. It was so good. They were like, they look like, um, like, uh, mozzarella sticks, like really long mozzarella sticks, but obviously instead of cheese inside, it was just like really delicious, like soft, tender eggplant. And then they had like this, like sauce drizzled over it. It was so good. So I was like looking at it and I was like, how am I going to make this when I get home? (laughs) (laughs) Because I need to I need to make this when I get home.
0: (laughs) Oh, that sounds perfect.
1: I'm a sucker for eggplant. Oh, me too. Oh, I can eat eggplant in any, yeah, maybe not raw, but everything else. <laughs>
0: yeah. Here's a question for you. Cause it's one, it's a debate in
1: our family skin on or off when you eat oh, it. So I'm okay with skin on, uh, actually I think I prefer it. It gives me like something to like, hold on to. I feel like <laughs> like my teeth, like, cause otherwise it's just one texture. Right. Um, so I like the two note texture.
0: <laughs> okay. That's fair. Yeah. I can go either way. I don't really have a preference, but I have a lot of skin off
1: in my family. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, you should tell them skin. Skin on has more fiber and so it's better yeah. for oh, your gut. Hey, we, yeah, we just won. We just won that argument. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: okay. Something you found to be beautiful lately?
1: Um, you know, what I have found to be beautiful um, is I'm in New York City right now. And I think what I find to be so beautiful is when I go to Central Park, um, I, um, you know, saw a sticker on uh, the path and it was the flag of Ukraine. And I saw a lot of people who are running in those colors. And I just think that that's beautiful. Like, like, look, I, and I just wrote a newsletter about this to my own um, followers. And, and I was like, look, sometimes we feel so guilty Um, about moving on, like going on about with our daily lives, even though we know that thousands of miles away, that there are people who can't go on with their daily lives. And it's like, how do you navigate that? How do you negotiate that? And what I think is so beautiful is that even within our daily lives, like my daily run, um, we're taking that time to remember and, and think about that. And so I think that's very beautiful. And that's been very encouraging to me, you know, and signs of hope.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Powerful, sobering, all of the things, right? Yeah. Um, how about a gathering you've attended that made you feel a strong sense of belonging? And if you could think of what it was, um let me know what it was that made you feel that way.
1: So um this is not like too recent. It was actually like um you know gatherings are few and far between these mm-hmm. days um and so this is uh i think probably one of the few gatherings i've had in the past year it was right after my book launch we had just done um my like big book event here in new york city uh, we were actually in brooklyn and you know i I was, and, you know, I was like losing my mind because I had like so many events and so many things that I needed to do and, you know, press and everything, but I wanted to take one night where I just invited my friends over. And by friends, it was like other content creators, other creators who I'd met on TikTok or Instagram and invite them over and just make dumplings together. That was my nice. wish, you know? So right after my book event, the next night I, you know, had my two friends who had come with me for the book event. And then I invited a bunch of other creators, other content creators, and we just made mandu, just Korean dumplings wow. together. And it was like, one of the most fun nights I've had in such a long time. And, you know, I think I was the, no, there was another vegan there. So there were, no, there were three vegans, right? no, four, four vegans, <laughs> and then three non-vegans, um, but we didn't care. And none of them were Korean except for me. <laughs> and we, uh, and, you know, like one of them brought like her beautiful box of Indian spices because she's Indian, you know, and um, my friend who's from Hong Kong, like he was showing us his folding technique. And then, you know, we had my friend who'd literally never he'd eaten a dumpling in his life. And, you know, we were making fun of his dumpling folding technique. And, you know, it was just a really great, and then my mom of course is standing over <laughs> more <laughs> defined <to> <laughs> kind of like fumbling around with this and um but it was just really fine and you know many of us were in the process of either launching a cookbook, writing a cookbook, wow. you know, developing a cookbook, um, you know, we we're all foodies. And so that is kind of what helped us to feel like we all belonged. We all kind of understood the pressure that goes along with kind of what we do along with just the immense privilege that we all have to be doing what we do. Um, but just taking that moment, separate from the outside facing world of book tour and book lunch and PR and all that stuff and kind of bringing it inside and doing something like making mandu, which is something I've been doing since I was a little girl with my friends. That was a very important moment. So anytime someone asked me, what was your favorite part of the book tour? Oh, it was the dumpling party that nobody else got to see. <laughs>
0: so sacred, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh man. I love that. And that's, I mean, I feel like if you could take a snapshot of that, that's meaningful gathering.
1: It was, it was meaningful. It was healing. It was invigorating. It was, um, productive. And I mean, those are friends now that I've made that I'll never forget. Well, we
0: are going to link your book in the show notes for anyone that wants Mm -hmm. to buy it at the end of this conversation, but where else can they find you?
1: Um, any, I mean, I'm the Korean vegan, so you can find me at the Korean vegan on just about every single social media platform. Um, on the Korean is my website. That'll basically tell you everything that you need to know and where to go for the book, the meal planner, social media, uh, any other writings. And then you can always just Google the Korean vegan. There's a lot of stuff out there about me. I love when it's that easy. That's great. It is. Yeah, I know. And <laughs> To give credit to my husband for the name. He came up with the name. (laughs) (laughs) Husbands come in handy with this (laughs) (laughs) every
0: once in a while. (laughs) I know, right? Yes. Uh, Well, thank you. This was such a joy. I am so excited to share it and, um, yeah,
1: to continue
0: this conversation.
1: Well, thank you and best of luck to more revelations at your table. Mm -hmm. Thank you. See you next week, guys. To
0: continue this conversation and to keep learning about all things hospitality and meaningful gatherings, be sure to follow us on Instagram at gatherintentionalliving and gatherintentionalliving.com. If this episode was something that inspired you and you loved, it would mean the worlds to us if you left five stars and a written review to help others join the table. Thanks so much, guys. See you next week.